Boo-hoo for Mike and some head bobs from everyone else. That's all right. Um, as uh, Tilly kind of alluded to, yeah, I don't know how your week's been. We had, had an interesting week at our house, all kinds of issues with trauma, kids' schools, and vehicles breaking down, and all their stuff like that. But um, I'm excited to be with you guys, and we're, we're in the middle of the series called Taking It Personal. And uh, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know this isn't a series about uh, staying out of your feels or not getting hurt or offended by people. This is a series where we're actually telling you, you should take it personal. When it comes to your relationship with God, with, with your heavenly Father, as Jesus told us to refer to God, He wants it to be as personal as it can possibly, possibly be. And so um, the whole point of the series is we want you to make it personal because God was unwilling to leave, uh, leave himself as a category um, and as a, just a, a, a line item in, in, in a book somewhere. He wanted it to be personal. And so the very, very first week, we challenge you guys to pray this prayer, to, to pray, Heavenly Father, I want to know you more then I want to know the answers to my questions. Then I want to have, have my, my issues and obstacles to, obstacles to God resolved. And if you're with us for the first week, you know, we talked about how when you fall in love with someone, your, your issues and obstacles, the reasons you maybe didn't want to get married, they all shrink. Or the reasons maybe uh, you didn't want to have a child, once you have a baby, those reasons just don't seem to matter as much anymore. Like they're still there. And, and it's the same way in our relationship with God. When we come into uh, and encounter God in a personal way, some of the problems that we have, unanswered questions, God, what about this? What about suffering? What about this time when I felt abandoned by you? What about, you know, these mean people of the church and, and hypocrites? All that stuff's still there. God rarely answers all of our questions to our satisfaction. However, they get smaller because it gets personal. And so the first week we, we, we did that. And then the second week, we talked about how God made the first move and he made the first move personal and that God said he wants a relationship with us, but it was going to be on his terms, and his terms are trust. And so the big takeaway from week two in the series was trust is always demonstrated through action. We talked about Abraham and how he believed what God said, and, and because he acted just on God's say-so, it says, the Bible says that God said, you know what, Abraham, you're righteous now, meaning like you're in right, our relationship is good again, there's nothing separating us anymore. And so... Um, what we ended last week's message was with Jesus talking about, you know, the disciples asked him, who's the, who's the greatest person in, in the kingdom of God? In other words, Jesus, like, what do I need to do to get like the gold star, gold star be your number two guy? And, and Jesus surprised all of them listening. And he got a kid and brought this child up. And he said this in Matthew 18, he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says he wants you and wants me to trust him the way that little kids trust and believe and respond, right? And if you've ever hung out with little kids, you know, it's, there's, there's few things in the world more fun than, than, than giving a little kid a hard time, like telling them you, you got their nose or, you know, having, having fun with a kid. And they just believe, right? Little kids just naturally believe and life has a way of, of, of beating that out of us. So we're, we're going to continue because I, I realized when we left off last week, like that was like 
great, okay, John, I'm supposed to be like a kid, which is difficult because I'm not a kid anymore, and you want me to trust, but I, you know, my default mode is now to not trust because so many people have uh, abused my trust or taken advantage of it in the past, so I've learned to keep people at arm's length and wait until they prove themselves to me before I trust. And so today we're going to be talking more about how we move into that place of trust and stepping out and acting in faith in response to what God wants to say to us. But before I get into that, um, so over the last five years or so, um, it, I've become something that I never, ever would have, have thought that I would have become. And, and I've said this out loud many times uh, when I was younger, I would say, I will never be one of those people that's a runner. Like, what is wrong with those people? Like, I like sports. I like playing basketball. I like playing football. Like, I don't mind running, but there needs to be a reason for me to run. Like, there needs to be a game going on, a score to keep. And I, I like, if you'd have told me seven years ago, 10 years ago, that I would be into running, I would have said, you're out of your mind. However, that's exactly what I do now. I've gotten into running. I blame Mike Watson. Um, it's all his fault. And it's actually been a really good thing for me. It, it helps me. Uh, my wife will make me run now because she's like, when you don't run, she's like, you just walk around the house going, <sighs> she's like, you need to get your thoughts out and running makes that do it. So please get out of the house and run. So I, I bring that up to say, um, I, I've run a few marathons now. And for every marathon that I've, that I've ever run, I used a training plan to get ready for it, okay? So a marathon is 26.2 miles, okay? And um, I think, I think it's, it's common knowledge, you don't just get up one day and decide, you know what, I'm gonna do that. Tomorrow, marathon on the books, we're going. But we know that you just can't do that. That requires some preparation. And so a training plan lays out, hey, how many days a week am I supposed to run? How far am I supposed to run on Monday? How far am I supposed to run on Wednesday, on Saturday? And it has it all laid out. And so imagine with me for a moment that, that, that I'm, I'm going to get ready for, for a race, right? And I've got my training plan and I get it out every morning. I get it out every morning and I read it and, and, and I see what, I, what I'm supposed to do. I believe it. Shoot, what if, I, what if I study the training plan so much that I had committed it to memory but what if I never actually followed the, 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 the training plan? What if all I ever did was read it and be like, oh, that's good. I really definitely need to do a speed workout this day. I need to go on a long run this day. That's true, true. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just study this training plan until I know it backwards and forwards. But what if I ever actually got my butt out the door and ran and did what the plan told me to do? What, I would be in some pretty serious trouble on race day, right? Like, like I would not be ready to run a marathon and so I want to start our, our talk off this morning with, with just this question. What if simply believing stuff could change our lives? I mean, how, how great would that be? How awesome would it be and how much better would our lives be if, if we could just believe stuff and that made the difference? Like, like think about like eating and diet. Wouldn't it be great if all I had to do was acknowledge that it was true, that fruits and vegetables were healthy for me and, and deep fried foods were unhealthy. And if I just believed that, but then I could still eat whatever the heck I wanted and, and get the benefits and be healthy because I read the, the nutrition stuff and I believed it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, I would love that to be true. Or what about like, like with exercise? I was talking about running. We, you know, if I polled all of you, I don't think, I, I, mean, I don't think any of you would say, no, John, like, 
I saw a YouTube video, that's a conspiracy. Exercise actually is bad for you. If you exercise, you'll die sooner. Like none of you believe that. We all know that, that if we got out and do some exercise, that that is healthy for us. It will give us a better quality of life. And that we're, I'm definitely not gonna poll everybody and ask how many of you actually go out and exercise, right? Like, but wouldn't it be great if all you had to do was believe in exercise for it to make the difference in your life? Like, oh, I believe that's true. And then all of a sudden you start, start losing some weight and all of a sudden you start feeling better and having more energy. And what about like with finances? Wouldn't it be great if you just had to believe that, that living within your means and saving first uh, would, would, would put you ahead financially? But you didn't actually have to do that. You could just keep upgrading your lifestyle and, and, and spend your money impulsively. Or what about for you guys that are in school, right? Wouldn't it be great if you, if you just had to believe in studying but not actually have to take the time to study? You just had to say, you know what? I believe this is important. And because I believe it and I know that I need to prepare and preparation is the key to success in life. Or, or shoot, that's true in work too, right? Like being prepared, but you didn't actually have to take the time to prepare. How great would our lives be if all we had to do was believe the right stuff? But... We all know that, that that's not how reality works. And this isn't new information to any of you. I've not shared anything. You're like, oh my gosh, that John guy, like he's got some wisdom. I'd never thought about it that way. This is nothing new for you guys. We know that believing something is, is, is true isn't the same as acting on that belief. And so I put it together in a little, little, little rhyme that, that, that goes like this. When we believe, but don't do... Our dreams don't come true. That sounds corny, but it's true. When we believe but don't do, our dreams don't come true. So, so humor me for a second. I want us to all say this together, okay? Even if you're one of those people that's like, I'm not doing that. Help me with my self-esteem. Say it with me, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three. When we believe but don't do, our dreams don't come true. Do it again. When we believe but don't do, our dreams don't come true. And I have no idea what's in your heart today. I know, however, that there are areas of your life that you would like to see change for the better. And Jesus knew that knowledge would not change our lives. That's why Jesus never invited us to a class about God. Instead, Jesus invited you and me to follow him. And, and, and in, in the New Testament Gospels, which are the, the four books of the Bible that, that, that they tell about Jesus' life from four different authors, four different perspectives, Jesus gives his most famous uh, well-known sermon slash message, and it's often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've ever read it, it has got some really challenging and difficult things that, that Jesus said to do. Jesus said things in, in this, like, love your enemies. He said things in there like, don't judge other people. He said that when someone mistreats you or treats you badly, that you should just go ahead and serve them anyway. You should pray for them. He's like, if someone hits you in the face, you should just turn the other cheek. And all this crazy stuff that's completely countercultural to his day, it's com completely countercultural to, to our culture today. And, and let's be honest, it would be much easier to just believe in Jesus' teaching. It would be much easier to just believe that what Jesus had to say was true. That's less demanding. But following Jesus, doing the things that Jesus said to do, that's a lot more inconvenient, isn't it? That's a lot more difficult. It's not as easy. It requires some sacrifice. It goes against our culture. And doing what Jesus taught is so challenging 
for you and for me to put into practice that, that sadly, over the years, the church, and this is an indictment on, on, on all churches in general, just the, the, the universal church, over the decades, over the centuries, the church slowly shifted from do what Jesus taught to believe what Jesus taught. And if you, if you spent some time in church, if you've grown up in church, I mean, that's certainly the, the, uh, the, the idea I kind of came away with was, you know, we are, we're supposed to believe what Jesus said. And it's like, believe in Jesus, and that's what you need to do. A lot of messages that you might hear on a Sunday will, will encourage you to change something that you believe. But that's not actually what Jesus did at all. So if we trust our Heavenly Father, if we can trust Him the way that little children trust and believe, if you and I can, 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 can get to a place where we will act on faith the way that Abraham acted on faith, and if you, you, know, you were with us for the message last week, we talked about how Abraham had nothing to go on. There's no Bible, no Old Testament, no law, no Moses, no nothing. Some unknown God speaks to him and says, pack it up, leave town, leave everything you know and everyone you love behind. And, and Abraham just believed God and did it. If we can act on faith, when Jesus gets to the very end of this, this difficult message, Sermon on the Mount, where he's saying all these countercultural challenging things, when he gets to the end, he says, when we do this, that there's a promise attached to living the way that I tell you to live. There, there, is, there is something that, that cannot be bought, something that's priceless at the end of it. And so that's what we're going to look at today because I want to address today the, 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 the difficulty, the challenge of trusting God and acting on that trust, not just saying, oh, wow, I got, I believe you, and, and leaving it there, but actually changing the way we live to follow Jesus Changing the way that we act, changing the way we respond in certain situations, changing the way we process life. And so we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 46. And so Jesus has just got done giving this, this, this big sermon with all this super challenging stuff. And this is what he says in verse 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? And... Jesus had many times where he shared some hard truth, right? And at the same time, Jesus was also incredibly gracious and loving. And, 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 and that's who he is. That's who he was. And Jesus came to tell us who God really is, right? We talk about how, how there's all kinds of misconceptions about who God is before Jesus came to the world. Jesus said, hey, this is what God's like. And he says, this is what God's like. He's completely loving and, is, and is, is for you, madly in love with you, wants it to be personal, but he's also going to speak the truth to you. And so Jesus just lays it out here. He's like, hey, why do you keep calling me Lord? Okay, we don't really call people Lord anymore in, in our culture, but you know, uh, a more appropriate thing would be like teacher or, or you're the boss, you know, uh, chief. Why do you keep calling me boss? Why do you keep saying I'm the person that you're going to listen to if you're not going to do what I say, right? It sounds like a conversation that I've had with my children before. Listen, I, I asked you to do the dishes. You haven't done them yet. Why do I, are you making me say this to you again? And he says this. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then takes notes, 
and then thinks about it, and then accepts it, then maybe underlines it in their Bible. Now, what does he say? He says, I will show you. It's like when someone comes, here's my teaching, and then follows it. He says, it is like a person building a house who digs, a, digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. Now, we have to remember that in Jesus' time, they built houses a little bit differently than we do now, right? Like, like if you go to build a house now, you dig a big hole in the ground, and then, then they pour concrete and lay the foundation that way, right? You, you make your own rock. Well, in Jesus' day, there was no concrete, right? And so in Jesus' day, to build a house this way was super labor-intensive, super time-intensive, time and it took way longer than if you just decided to build on on the dirt, build on the, on the surface. And so you really depended on what, what kind of commitment you were ready to make to, to build your house because, you know, you couldn't just say, I'm gonna build my house here because I like the view from here. You'd be like, well, no, is there rock down there? I don't know. So they would go and they would dig and, and, and dig in a few places until they found rock. And then once they found rock, guess what? That's where the house needed to go. If you wanted to build a house that was going to withstand storms and, and, and torrential downpours and things of that, that that happened in their, in their part of the world. So it's, it's way more time at the beginning, right? Like, like imagine if you and your neighbor, you're each going to build a house. By the time you figure out where the rock's at on your property and you've dug all these holes and... and, and Remember, there's no excavators, right? They're not like doing this in a day. There's, there's some dude out there schlepping it out with a shovel, right? Like that's how they're digging, you know? And, and so you're there. You haven't even figured out where you're going to start building at. In the meantime, your, house, your, your neighbor's got the first story built because he's like, this is the spot and just starts building it right then and there. And so for a lot, from, from the outside looking in, it probably looked like, you know what? Um, this, doesn't, this isn't working. Like, they're over there. They've got, they've, got the first, they've got the framing up already, and we haven't even put up a thing yet. This is a waste of time. What are we doing? But in the long run, this made all the difference in the world, especially when a storm would come. But in, in this, this, this parable that Jesus is laying out, there's an unspoken question here. And it's, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you live this way that I'm telling you to live before you know what the outcome is? Not do you believe Jesus, but will we act on it? Will we do it? And so here's, here's the, 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 the big takeaway this morning. It is only when you and I act on faith when we take action, that we get to experience God's faithfulness. It's only, it's only when we act, right? Like God can't come through for you and be faithful to you and demonstrate his faithfulness to you if you and I, if we don't act on faith first. It's only when we do what he says that we get to experience God. That's how we encounter God. When we trust him enough to live the way that he tells us, to trust him by our actions. And, and when we do that, when you and I step out in faith, because let's be honest, to do anything that Jesus taught requires a pretty big step of faith, right? Like just some of the stuff that we, we briefly touched on in, the, in, the, in, in his message on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Like, okay, I'm supposed to 
I'm supposed to, to pray for people who are my enemies and mistreat me? Why would I do that? Who does that? No one does that. And you know, I, I think instead of praying for them, I, I should just be watching out for them. Like that would be the nice thing to do. I mean, God, at least I'm not attacking them. At least I'm not trying to get them back. I think that's enough, right, God? God's like, no, you should pray for them. When we act on what God tells us to do, when we act and live the way that God tells us to live, our faith intersects with God's faithfulness. And these moments are moments that we look back on and they become the bedrock of our lives. When, when I look back at my life on the moments when I took a risk and said, okay, this is what I believe God's telling me to do. And, and if I'm, and if, okay, let me just maybe pull back the curtain some. A lot of times, you know, you sit in, sit in the seats like you guys are in, and someone like me is up here on the platform talking about their big faith story. And, and let's be honest, when I'm sitting in those seats, a lot of times I think, Wow, man, that guy's like, that guy trusts God. Like, I wish I could trust God the way that guy trusts God or the way that, that lady trusts God. Like, that's big. I don't know if I could do this. Let me just, just say something. Every time, every time I've ever stepped out in faith to act on something I felt like God was speaking me to do, I was never more than about 75% sure that that's what God was speaking to me. <laughs> like there are lives where I'm like, you know, this could go sideways because I don't know for sure. And let me tell you, if I knew for sure, it wouldn't be faith. If I knew for sure how things were going to play out, and I could tell you, I don't want to have the time this morning, but I could tell you some of the stories of where, where we have stepped out, where Tilly and I have stepped out in faith, and let me tell you, it did not go any way that I expected it to, but man, God came through and was faithful. And, 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 and the story that, that I get to tell, those are the moments that, that are the foundation of my faith and my life, and that's how we build our life on rock. So Jesus doesn't end there. He goes on to unpack the consequences of, of um, putting it in practice. It says this, when floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But then he goes on and says this, but anyone who hears and doesn't, doesn't what? Obey. Obey, right? Now, we've all heard lots of things that we've said, man, that's great, that's true. We wrote down some notes, we underlined something in our Bible, we, we told someone else about it, but we didn't do it, right? It says, if you're that, if, if you are just going to listen, but not actually put it into practice, and it doesn't say that, 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 that someone who hears it and takes notes or studies it, not, not someone who says amen, not someone who attends church regularly, it says if they don't obey it, they are like a person who builds their house right on the ground without a foundation. When floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And Jesus just lays it out. He's like, if you don't take the time to live the way that, that I'm telling you to live, at some point, there is going to be a storm coming to your life, and it's going to be a total loss. And you and I, we've, we know people who have, who have abandoned and walked away from any belief in God, because when the storm came, their house wasn't built on a foundation of action on faith. Their faith was built on just belief. And the world has a way of rocking what you believe, right? But when we've acted on it, when we have stepped out in faith, when we've done something about it, 
And we get to experience God's faithfulness on the other side when we weren't sure if, if what we did was smart or not. When we're not sure if this was going to work or not, it's like, well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm taking a risk here, God. When we do that and we get to experience God's faithfulness on the other end, man, that is a firm, firm foundation. And so I want to, I, I, I know I'm really belaboring this point, but listen, Jesus says in this parable that it is possible for you, me, or anybody else to attend church their entire life, to read the Bible their entire life, to believe it, and yet live your life in such a way that you undermine what you say you believe. And if you've ever been hurt by someone in church or by a religious person, I can guarantee you the reason that you were hurt is because that person believed in Jesus but didn't do what Jesus told them to do. They didn't live their life in the way that Jesus prescribed. They just said, yep, I believe that to be true. And you and I, it is possible for us to believe everything right and still live in such a way that we undermine our faith. It's possible for us to believe it all But if we don't put it into practice, believing can be deceiving. Believing can be deceiving. And I want to share a verse with you from from the book of James. And so so the guy that wrote the book of James, um, his name was James. And he he is one of Jesus' brothers. Okay? And so... Every time I bring up James, I always say this, but I, I, I don't care. I just, my wife's sick of hearing it, I'm sure. James was the brother of Jesus, okay? Now, I just want you to pause for a moment, especially if you've got a brother or sister. What would it take for you to believe that your brother that you grew up with was the son of God? What would it take for you to believe your sister was, was the, the, the daughter of God? What would it take for you to believe that, that your brother, and so this is the guy writing all this stuff, right? Like, like he wasn't one of Jesus' disciples, uh, the, the, one of the 12. We don't really know if he believed at all during Jesus' time on earth. But at some point, James is convinced. And this is what James has to say in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word And what does it say? And so deceive yourselves. Instead, he says, do what it says. Now, I don't know all of you personally, but I do know this about you. You are the foremost expert on deceiving yourself. What do you mean, John? How many times have you talked yourself into a bad decision? You knew it was a bad decision. On the front end, you didn't tell your mom or your dad about it because you knew it was a bad decision. You didn't tell, tell your friend who always gives you good advice about it because you knew it was a bad decision. We have all, all of us, I guarantee you, promise you, we have all bought stuff we knew that we had no business buying, that we couldn't afford, and we did it anyway because you know what? I just want it. <laughs> You know, or I'm just going to do it. We've all done it. We've all, we've all gotten into a bad, bad uh, loan on a car or something else. We've all gotten some, some credit card stuff out of life. All of us have done this and we knew it was about it. You and I, we are experts at talking ourselves into things that we shouldn't do. We are experts in telling us, you know what? It, I know for most people, this is a bad path to go down for, but I, it'll be different for me. 
right? I, I, can, I can hold my liquor. Oh, it'll be different for me. Uh, this is going to be a one-time thing. I, I know I can walk away from this. It's going to be different for me. We are experts at deceiving ourselves. And we can convince ourselves that there's all kinds of stuff that we don't really need to do. All of us are great at self-deception. And James would tell us, hey, listen, don't deceive yourself. Don't fall for it. Don't buy your own, own, own uh, book of goods. You can't listen to what God has to say about your life and not follow through and do it. Because if you do that, you're deceiving yourselves. And I mean, come on, isn't that the biggest problem that our world, our culture has with church today? I mean, if, 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 if you genuinely do what Jesus tells you to do, if we live our lives the way that Jesus tells us to live our lives, like those are amazing people to be around, right? Like no one's going to have a problem with them. It's, it's people who say, oh yeah, I believe it all. I believe what the Bible has to say. I believe what, what God says. I believe God is love. And then they're out there just posting stuff that's so hateful on, on social media or acting like, oh yes, like we are supposed to, to, to be generous and help everyone in need. And then they are very intentional about saying, well, I'm not helping them. They got themselves in that situation. They don't need anything. You and I are the best at deceiving ourselves. And so... What I want to challenge you this morning is this. If you've ever tried to put what God has to say into practice in your life, you know it is a little bit more challenging and complicated than just reading it and then going out and doing it, right? Because what Jesus had to say to me and what Jesus has to say to you is is so counterintuitive to us, right? So challenging sometimes that, that... it's like, do, do, I, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to go there? Do I really want to turn the other cheeks? Do I really want to serve others first and, and, and worry about my needs last and, and, and trust that God's going to do that? Do I really believe this stuff? And here's the thing. You could have someone else build your house for you, right? Like, like I would highly recommend it unless you happen to be a home builder. Like, let an expert do that for you. But no one else... No one else, not your mom, not your dad, not your, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, no one else can build your life for you. It's way too personal. Just like you're the only person who can exercise for you, no one can do that for you. You're the only person who can eat right for you. You're the only person who can study and prepare in life for you. You're the only one who can make wise financial decisions for yourself. And you may say, well, no, actually, that one's not true, John. Like, I, I have a financial planner. and Great. He can only do what you give him control over, right? She can only do what you give him control over. And guess what? God will act in the areas of our lives that we give him control control over. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the best way that I know to put what God has to say to you into practice. And you've heard us talk about it before. You'll hear us talk about it again. But, but we encourage everyone to get into a discovery group. Now, a discovery group isn't just what our church brands small groups. It's actually a specific way of getting together and with other people and reading the Bible. I'm not going to unpack the whole thing for you. If, if you've got um, 
questions about how to, all the, all the inner workings of it, I'll tell you, but let me just, just say this. It's so simple and so easy that anyone can do it. You have to, you, you can have zero knowledge about the Bible. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to believe that the Bible is true from end to end. All you have to do is be willing to discover what God has to say to you. And, and, and as, as, as my kids will tell you, as, as Mike Watson, and Amy Watson's kids will tell you, like they do discovery groups as, as kids. And right now, Amy's back there, and I guarantee you at some point they did a discovery on a passage of Scripture. And so all you're doing is, is getting together with, with at least one other person on a regular basis, and you're reading a passage of Scripture, and, and there's, there's several questions that you ask each week, but, but I'm going to hit the two big ones here. This one, it says, if this passage is true, in other words, if I believe what I just read, what will I do this week to respond to it? And that's a pretty, that's a pretty pointed question, right? Like, like, like we read the Bible today, right? And, and we're asking the question, what am I going to do about it? And we call this an I will statement. And so when we answer this question, when I'm, when I'm in, my, in my discovery group with the guys that I, that I work with, we ask this question. It's, it's a very practical question. It's like, okay, I've read this passage of the Bible. What am I going to do about it? Not at some point when I get around to it. Not what I'm going to try. We put it together and we call an I will statement. Or I say, I will go and pray for someone this week. It's just really specific. Or I will, you know, get up earlier and pray, pray this morning. Or I will go talk to so-and-so. It's a, it's a direct question that's, that points right to what am I going to do with what God has shown me today? And when you come back the next week in Discovery, you have an opportunity right? Because you know your friend and group is going to ask you and you're going to ask them, hey, how did it go last week with your I will statement? Did you do what you said you felt like God wanted you to do? And that accountability is key. The other question that, that, that's really crucial out of this is who will you share what you learned with last week? And, and who are you going to tell about what you learned? And those two questions alone, and there, there's, there's more, to, more to, the, to the group than that, but it's a super simple format. Those two questions alone will change your life because those two questions move it from, do I believe this? And, oh, yeah, that's good. Let me take some notes. And then, wow, that was a great way that they unpacked that scripture, that point, or that thought, which is great. It's good. We should be studying the Bible. But nothing actually changes in our lives until we act on the Bible. And, and when we talk about putting into practice what God has spoken to us, right? And, and so you may, may be thinking sometimes when you read the Bible, like we read about Abraham, and it says God spoke to him. It's like, I don't know that I've ever experienced that, God speaking directly to me. Listen, you and I have the benefit of the Bible. And that is the primary way that God will speak to you. The number one, A, one way that God's going to speak to you is through the Bible. And our lives will change to the degree that we decide we're going to act on what God speaks to us. And here's the beautiful thing about it. I'm up here right now telling you stuff you should do and think. And, and some of you are like, yeah, I'm all on board. I, that's, that's great. I'm going to do that, John. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm going to do this one thing, but I don't know about that other thing you said. Like, you, you, I'm just going to, I'm not going to like yell no. I'm not doing that out loud. I'm not that guy, but I'm not doing what he says. When 
You personally open the Bible, read it for yourself, and you feel the nudge from God's Spirit saying, I want you to do this. It carries way more weight than I could ever give. Way more weight. And here's the thing. Some of you right now are going to be tempted to say to yourselves, man, this is great. I'm going to take these questions and use them in my own private time reading the Bible because it's very personal to me. It's very private. I'm a private, private person with my spirituality. That's great. Um, But let me just just tell you, uh, you're never going to change because no one changes their habits without accountability. And this is true. You know this is true, right? All of you have a time that you normally wake up in the morning. And the reason that's your normal time is because there's some kind of accountability. Your supervisor at work is expecting you to get there at 8.30 a.m. or whatever time it is. And so you know if you don't get your butt up out of bed and you don't get there, there's going to be some kind of consequence. You're going to get, at the very least, you're going to get a phone call. Hey, you okay? You coming into work today? All of you know that there's a time you got to be at school. And and you don't change your wake-up time without accountability. Even if you have something special going on, you're going to go on a road trip and you need to leave early. So you know you got to get up early. The only thing getting your butt up out of bed before your normal time is the knowledge that someone else is expecting you. That's called accountability. And, And we don't change our habits without it. We don't. Sometimes that accountability is a person, you know, or or sometimes that accountability is a thing, but we don't change anything without accountability, without consequences. You know, we we don't change, you know, a lot of times people will make a drastic change in the way they, they treat their health after they've had a health scare, right? The accountability may not be a person, but they have had an encounter that says, I've got to change my ways, or I'm going to die earlier than I would like to, or I'm going to to lose quality of life in in such a way that I don't want to. It's accountability. And this is the great thing about being in a discovery group with other people. It provides loving and gentle accountability that actually helps us change our lives. Because let's be honest, all of you We all know a ton of stuff that would make our lives better right away, but we don't do it because it's easier, it's more convenient, it's more comfortable to just keep eating pizza and sitting on the couch. That's easier than than, than getting up and exercising and munching on an apple, right? Like, like it's easier. And it makes me, you know, I, I don't have to put as much effort into it. We all, we all know the reasons why we don't do things that we know would be better for us. And our relationship with God is no different. God wants to speak to you in a personal, personal way. And he will. But you and I, we've got to take a step of faith towards him. And so, you are going to need help to trust God. You're going to need someone else that you get together with on a regular basis and you're opening the Bible and and you're reading it and you're saying, this is, when I read this, this is what I'm learning about myself. This is what I'm learning about people. This is what I'm supposed to do this week. And I tell you, you know, and, and and so if, if we go back to, to me talking about becoming a runner, I have never began to follow a, a training plan until I have accountability. 
And it has been proven time and time and time again. You know, so like, like I've, I've mentioned to, to, to my wife and a couple of people, like I'm thinking about doing the, the Chambersburg Half Marathon coming up next year. Okay, well, the, the time to start training for that is right now. And, and, and I have a plan and I've, I've looked at it and I've read it and, and I've maybe run three out of 14 days for it. You know why? Because I've not pulled the trigger and paid the registration fee. I don't have that accountability yet. I haven't said, not I'm thinking about doing this, to I am doing this. And so therefore, it's way easier to just be like, you know what? It's a little chilly out this morning. So I'm going to stay right here in bed until I have to get up for accountability purposes to get my butt to work on time. And, and it's no different. And, and until I do that, it doesn't matter. And, and let me tell you, the, the one running plan I followed the most religiously and closely and, and missed, I think, almost no days of, of running. Even when I'm in a, in a plan, there are days I'll miss and I'll be like, I oversleep or whatever. The one time I, I missed very rarely was a time when, when Mike Watson uh, paid and signed up for me to have a running coach. I didn't, never met this person face-to-face in my life. It was all just, you know, online. But be, just because... Someone I don't know, and quite frankly, don't really care what they think about me, just because I knew someone was going to know if I ran or not, man, I was like, oh, I really don't want to get out of bed, but if I don't, then this running coach is going to know and is going to ask me about it, and I don't want to deal with that, so I'm getting out of bed, and I'm doing this thing. I'm, getting out, I'm doing the run I'm supposed to do today, and our lives are no different. When there is someone holding us accountable, we make changes. And when we make changes that God speaks in our lives, they have the power to change our lives. But it's like building a house in Jesus' day. It may feel like on the front end, we're not getting anywhere. It may feel like on the front end, we're wasting our time. Like my neighbor has his house almost finished, and I'm still just digging holes in the dirt. But if you and I, if we want to experience God's faithfulness, I mean, we've all heard these stories, right? Where, where someone tells us this beautiful emotional story and how dark the, the, their, their situation got. And then they're like, they get to that part where they're like, but God came through and did this. And yeah, we're, we're wiping tears back because it's so cool. And it's like, oh man, I want to experience God that way. Yeah, me too. But you know how you experience God that way? You got to step out and act in faith because it's only when we act on our faith that we get to experience God's faithfulness. So you and I, we want to experience God's faithfulness without ever actually risking anything. And, and it doesn't work that way. God can't prove himself to you if you never take what he says at face value enough to put it into practice in your life. And so you've got to discover what God wants to say to you personally. I can't do that for you. No one else can do that for you. But you have got to get into a discovery group with other people. And, and so... I will help you do that. My wife will help you do that. Uh, Mike Watson, Amy Watson. You ask us, we will give you every tool and coach you along the way to help you do this. But you've got to be the one that does it. You've got to be the one that says, you know what? This is important to me. I'm going to put this into practice. And so as we're, we're wrapping up this today, God wants you to experience him in the most personal, personal way. But it's just not really going to happen until you take a step. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this in prayer. 
And I want to encourage you, don't just take this and say, oh man, wasn't that good? And I really need to do that. How many times have we said those things to ourselves? Oh, I really need to do that. I really need to start eating better. I really need to start doing this. I really need to start saving my money and not spending it all. We say that stuff all day long. It's only when we act that it makes the difference. Believing doesn't make the difference. Doing makes the difference. So I'm praying. Heavenly Father, um, we need your help. Because God, we, we know in our hearts and we know in our souls that what you have to say to us is, is true. It's life. But man, it is way harder to do what you, you say about the way to live our lives. It's so harder to put that into action than it is to just say, yep, I believe it. And I'm also going to just keep doing what I've been doing. God, will you break through the hardness of our hearts. And God, will you help us to not just believe what you say, but do what you say. God, we help us to, to go through the, the effort and, and, the, and the awkward conversation sometimes of asking someone else, hey, will you, would you want to get together with me on, on, once a week and, and read the Bible together and apply it to our lives and, and do what God says and, and, and hold each other accountable and support each other and pray for each other. It's way easier for say, you know, I'm just going to do that in my own private time. But God, we know that if we just keep doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep getting what we've got. And if we want to experience your faithfulness, God, we need your help. So God, change us. Help us to prioritize not just belief, but action in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, before I... Uh...